Matthew chapter 8. My wife read a psalm to me on the way in as we were driving down the road. You know, it was clear at our house. And all of a sudden, the closer we got to Houston, it started getting drizzly and rainy and foggy and slick. And uh, it was kind of uh, a wild ride that last 30 minutes or so. Now, keeping in mind, the whole idea today is we need to be thinking about us responding to God's leadership, uh, how, what God has permitted, how he's allowed some things to come into our lives. Uh, but we're going to be showing some examples of God's testing and so it's it's really important that we understand uh, and this this is a whole nother uh, message, but uh, character that's not been tested has not had a chance to be proven. So we can say we've got all the Christ character we can uh, muster, but character that hasn't been tested. So. It's important that we understand that God permits these things to come in his sovereignty, in his uh, love. It's all, it's all orchestrated out of his character, out of his love to us. And he allows each one of us to go through whatever it is that he knows is best for us to go through it. And it's important that we, that we receive God's grace and accept God's grace and respond to God's grace as he takes us through the challenges and tests of life. So we're going to begin with an example. And uh, it's found in uh, Matthew 8, 23. And when he entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. That was the easy part. That was the easy part. We're going to follow Christ. They followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, <clears throat> insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, Save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Even the waves in the sea obey him. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the power of your word. We know that you have so much for us uh, to learn. But I just, I, I'm so convinced, Father, that the way you work and the way you operate and the way you do things, it's that you show us the truth and then you lead us into the truth. 
You show us truth, not just to fill our minds with facts, but you show us yourself and then you lead us into experiencing your presence and your perfection and who you are as we go through life. And I pray that today we would get the message, the message from you that we shouldn't be surprised when we're tested. Because we are learning your heart. We're learning that you operate out of love, out of the character of love. And you're, and you're moving, through, moving us through life so that we can depend on you more and more with each passing day. And Father, I pray that we would begin to understand you and what you're about in our lives. So we trust you now to teach us and show us, and we'll be careful to give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a very familiar passage, I'm sure, to all of us. The disciples followed Jesus into the ship, and the storm came. And, of course, you know, the theologians will tell you uh, that Jesus was revealing his deity and who he was and that he's God and uh, he's the creator. I mean, there are just so many things that you can draw from this, but I continue to see the fact that as you go through, I mean, the accounts of the life of Christ, and then I was looking back at some of the Old Testament accounts so much of it, you could say, is it's a test. God allows these tests to come so that we could learn that we have no sufficiency of our own. He wants us to know that, that we can't do this by ourselves. And, you know, it's sad when I hear people say, he's always there when I need him. Ladies and gentlemen, let me declare unto you, we need him always. It's not just when you're going through a rough spot. It's not just when you're sick. It's not when you're just when you're facing financial distress. We need him every step of the way. And there should never be a time in our lives that we relax and say, oh, today I don't need his presence. We need him and we need to know, we need to recognize we need him. Y'all remember years and years and years ago, we changed the 4th of July. You know, remember that? We said, we're going to call it not uh, 4th of July celebration. We're going to call it Dependence Day. Help us to learn dependence on you, Father. And that's what these disciples, they were overwhelmed with their circumstances, the waves. And I've been out there uh, in, in, the, in the bay when the waters were rough, and I've had experiences where in Conroe and uh, Trinity Bay where the water's literally coming over. And I, in Conroe one time, we were literally bailing with a bailer, and we were, it was coming over as fast as we could bail. So I know what that is like, but I can't imagine what this was like because it's a much larger uh, ship. 
boat, people would call it a boat or ship, vessel. But the storm was great, and Jesus was asleep. And his disciples came to him, and they cried out, and I'm sure they weren't just, you know, just really real quiet. They were yelling and screaming, we're going to perish. If, you, if something doesn't happen here, we're going to perish. And Jesus asked, and, and listen, we need to see. I know he was speaking to the disciples, but we need to see when we're going through a challenge or a stressful time or a painful time or whatever it is, we need to hear these words coming to us from our Father. Why are you so fearful? And as God takes us through life, listen, and I, I hope that I can communicate this in, in a way. God knows exactly, folks, please hear this. He knows exactly how to pull the rug out from under us so that we'll end up on our knees. He knows exactly how to do it. And church, North Belt Baptist Church, we're not exempt from God knowing how because I can tell you back there was a, years and years ago, we had so much spiritual pride, it was sickening. We had so much spiritual pride that we had families come and say, I want to join the church, but I'm not in that school program all, everybody else is in. Can we still join? I mean, we, we had people say, I visited the church and it, it was just so full of pride. It's like if you and, and the, uh, the family, and you know, some of you would remember, man and woman walked in with one child. And a well-meaning member of the church ran up to him and gave the book and said, have you ever read the book Full Quiver? Well, that made them feel real good. They were unable to have any more children. And so we, we really need to be Aware that when God sees something in a church, he knows exactly how to pull the rug out from under us so that it will end up on our knees. That we, got no, we have no other place to turn. We have to turn to him. The sea was boisterous. The sea was troubled. The winds were great. And Jesus said, why are you so afraid? And then he said these words, O ye of little faith. And I've spoken on this before. It's very, very, very critical that we understand as we go through life. And, and at the end of the message, I'm going to ask, how are we going to be remembered? Are we going to be remembered as a people, as a family, as a man, as a woman, as a young person, a church? Are we going to re be remembered as a church that is has big faith or little faith? Jesus makes it very clear. You can, you're going to have one or the other. You're going to have big faith. You're going to have little faith. And I, I'm not, I don't mean to boast. I don't, that's not my heart. But I'm going to tell you, I stand on the word of God and I have big faith. Not in my abilities or my, you know, whatever, it's not about me. It's all about faith and confidence. My faith is huge in God's word and God's
promises and what God's up to. I, my faith is big. Doesn't mean that we're not going to face some challenges along the way, and we all will. Our faith will be tested. I read a, Dr. Adrian Rogers put out a pamphlet years and years and years ago, before his death, of course, and he put out a, a, a pamphlet, and it was dealing with the storms of life. The storms of life. Listen, this is a topic a lot of preachers have preached series on the storms of life. And, and it's incredible to begin to comprehend and understand the ways of my father, how my father operates, what he's up to, what he's trying to accomplish in my life. We know he's conforming us, and no one said that would be easy. He's conforming us to the image of his very own son. And that in itself is very painful. Now, let me just say something here to all of us, but especially the younger generation coming up, but all of us. There was a term years and years ago, people used to throw it around quite freely about standing alone. Standing alone. Well, I'm going to tell you what, in this day and age that we're living in, and I'm not going to go into a bunch of the stuff, the garbage and the lies and, the, and the, all the stuff, the filth that the world's throwing at us, we better learn how to stand alone. We better learn how to stand alone, even if everybody else is going the other way. Even if everybody else, listen, there will be intellectual debates. And Matt, I appreciate a lot of your teaching that you're trying to encourage believers to know how to defend the faith. It's important that we are grounded, that when people throw these things at us, that we know I mean, I, I, don't, I don't pretend to try to answer everything, but at least we know inside of us what we believe, that we're not going to be influenced by them or changed by them or let their argument change my view, a worldview or the way I think about life and about the basics, male and female. These things should be just very obvious, but they're coming at us like a... Uh, flood. They're coming at us from every direction, and our children are getting exposed to all this, and they're going to have to be grounded. I do believe in keeping them in the um, greenhouse for a certain length of time, but one day they're going to leave the greenhouse. One day they're going to be faced one-on-one -on -one with somebody that doesn't think like they think, and they're going to have to know how to answer and how to stand firm. And even if everybody else is going the other way, they can stand true to the Lord Jesus Christ. Proverbs 1.10, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. My son, if sinners entice thee, They'll say, come with us and let us lay in wait for blood. Let us lurk privily 
for the innocent without cause. Stand firm. Stand alone. Don't go with them. Don't go with the crowd that's going away from the Lord Jesus. Don't go with the crowd that's denying the word of God. And folks, you think it doesn't happen in the church? You, I mean, there have been kids that I've, my wife and I visited with when they were nine and ten, and I, I haven't seen it. I don't do Facebook, but I've been told on Facebook they're saying there's no God. And they were right here in this congregation, sat here under preacher after preacher and all the different godly men we've had come in here. And now they become adults and some, not all, but some have turned their whole back on God saying he doesn't even exist. So we're going to have to be grounded. We're going to have to stand firm. We can't give in to all the pressure. So we're going to have to learn how to stand alone. So I ask you, at this point, if the Holy Spirit were to say to you now, this moment, where you are, where we are, would you say on a scale, do you have large faith or do you have small faith? Do you have large faith or do you have small faith? As God is taking you through life, taking you through the trials, do you have big faith or little faith? When we look at our circumstances, and listen, circumstances can be very troubling, but the economy, the economy's not looking good. The rumor that there are going to be more banks, and you know, it's just people saying things. Banks collapse, you know, there's going to be a run on the bank. Think about it. The security of our nation just seems to be, and then there's always this talk about, you know, all the possibilities of another war and all this. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot out there to produce in our minds anxiety and insecurity. But if our faith is based on the word of God and our our confidence is in my heavenly father that he knows exactly what he's doing and what he's allowing, and, and I'm trusting him no matter what, then the circumstances don't control our behavior. The circumstances don't control us, our health, our future. God promised to supply all of our need, and we, we need to trust him for that. We need to believe that he is. And I know this is simple. We say this almost every week. But folks, God is working everything together for our good. And it, uh, you just have to scratch your head sometimes to say, how can that be? How can that be? This terrible thing that's happened, how can that be for anybody's good? But you see, I'm at the point, and I think, you know, I'll just say this to each one of you. I don't feel like I have to explain everything to people. I don't think, I, you know, if somebody says this tragedy occurred and this one died and this one's, you know, mangled in the hospital. And, you know, I don't feel like I have to try to. All I know is I just trust God that even though it doesn't look good on the surface, I trust him. And it doesn't matter what I see or what I don't see. My confidence is in him, not in our circumstances. 
So God leads us through these variety, if you will, this variety of circumstances and these situations and these challenges. He tests us in my life first, and you've heard it many, many, many times at Deuteronomy 8. He tests us not that he needs to know what's in my heart because he he knows all things. He He tests me. Think about this. When I go through a test and I react, Lord, we perish. He said, why are you so fearful? He tests me to show me what's in my heart. He tests me to show me he already knows. He already knows where I am. He already knows my weaknesses. But sometimes we're blinded to the truth that what we really are on the inside. And who and and what we're made of. So he allows the test to come. We yell, "Lord, save us!" We perish, and he's and he's showing me that I have some fear that I'm going to have to deal with. He's showing me that I have a lack of confidence in his word. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I could tell you folks things that happen in the lives of people and in our own personal lives, and you just say, Lord, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know why. But you see, it's not for me to understand why. It's for me to trust Him completely, no matter what He allows to come into my life. He's leading us through the circumstances to test us, to show us, what's in our own heart, because he already knows, and he's testing us and allowing things to come to build our confidence in him. If you don't get anything else today, get that. The tests are coming. The challenges are coming so that we have confidence built. He is divinely, sovereignly orchestrating situations and circumstances and permitting things to happen so that we have confidence in him at the end of the day. It's so essential. We've got to get this. And we don't need to be running around, I hate to say like a chicken with a head cut off, but I mean, you know, if you've seen it, you've seen it. It's just part of life. I, I tell you, I have changed so much. As far as animals, it's just terrible. We were going, I was going to the physical therapy the other day, Linda's riding, we're riding, going, and I turned on this road, it's kind of a little back way we go, and coming down the road right there was a big old chicken truck. I don't know how many hundreds of chickens they carry, and I looked in my rear view mirror, and I said, y'all don't know it, you're about to die. And I'm not a vegetarian, I'm not moving in that direction, but my heart does go out. I told you that when we've taken five animals to the meatpacking place, okay? I don't want to call it a slaughterhouse, but but, uh, we've taken five. And I'm going to tell you, the night or two or three nights before, I just can't hardly sleep. I I just ring and toss. I say, oh, they've only got three days to live. And then, you know, the night before, oh, they've just got hours to live. I'm going to get them there at eight, and they're going to be dead by 10. Oh, 
And you know, and oh, and this will, this, I mean, I'm, Stephen, do you even, I know you get it, but you load them up in the trailer, and this is terrible. I mean, I may start crying right now. Load them up in the trailer, and they start mooing like, whoa, look at me, everybody. And they're mooing, and the others are mooing, and the ones in the trailer are mooing, and they're mooing back and forth with each other. And I'm thinking, you just don't know what's about to happen. You're going to your death, and you're sitting there just singing aloud to say, look at me, everybody, I'm on the trailer. Oh, it tears my heart out. But I'm not a vegetarian. <laughs> you know, just think, you would never, ever have another preacher act like this or tell you the stories that I tell. So just enjoy it while you got it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm having fun. This is this is enjoyable. I They say if you're enjoying your work, you'll never work a day in your life. Y'all have heard that, haven't you? Okay. Moving right along. <laughs> I don't know how this ties into that. I really don't know how I got there, but anyway, we'll try to work our way out of it. Uh but we are in the process of having the Lord, and we got to understand what He's doing and how He's working. He's trying to increase my faith as I go through life. He never, ever, the storm in your life and mine was never intended to destroy my faith. The storm, the trial, the circumstance in my life and yours was never intended to destroy my faith. Whatever it is that I'm facing, it's to increase my faith. To take it from little faith, oh, you have little faith, to great faith. Why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? It's important that we learn this lesson. I'm confident, more so today than ever before, that God allows the impossible, because nothing's impossible with Him, but He allows us to get in situations that seem to be impossible. And so that we recognize, you know, this is an impossible situation. There's no way out. There's nowhere to turn. This is impossible. And then when we say, oh, but wait a minute. God says there's nothing impossible with him. There's nothing impossible with him. And so, and the there, there's some things out there today, self-helps and all these hardback copies of books and things. Be careful because I do believe there's a danger in teaching believers. You just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You just really just need to pull your own self up by your bootstraps. Man up. Well, I'm going to tell you what. It's God up. It's, it's trusting Him. It's like, I know I can't. I know I can't. I can't do this. This is impossible. But God can. But God can. 
So this idea of pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, I'm just not confident that's the best way to go. So go back to Deuteronomy 8. Um, those of you that keep track know that I love this chapter. It's not the, not the first part I'm going to read to you, though. It's the part about the pride. Let's just begin in verse, um, let, we can start in verse 6, if you will. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, 6. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. The Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, and fountains, and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, and a land of wheat and barley, and vines, and fig trees, and pomegranates, a land of oil, oil, olive, and honey, and the land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones, iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Now, I want you to look at the warning here that's coming. And this, I, I, I refer to this all the time, but it's so ever so important. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware, verse 11, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Now just look at this. This is so absolutely incredible. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou is, is hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee, that's test thee, that he might test thee to do thee good at the latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto his fathers. And it shall be that if thou do all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. And the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face 
so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. When things are going well, and everything is just cheesy and great and wonderful, and money's coming in from everywhere, it's so easy to sit back and say, it's my personality. It's my preaching. It's my charisma. And the Lord says, be careful that you do not forget. When times are good, when times are great, when things are going better than expected, that you forget that I'm the one that even gives you the power to make wealth. I'm the one that gives you the energy to do work. I'm the one that provides everything you'll ever need to get where you are. Never forget it. Don't forget it. And if you do, there are consequences. And so, folks, I think it's so essential. I mean, I just, I, I just can't imagine... Going through what we're going through as a people, as a nation, as families, and missing and not understanding that what God is trying to accomplish in our life. He's, 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 I think he's testing North Belt. And we've had several tests along the way. We've had many tests. And this is no different. This is another test. And we're all being tested. And I just wonder, how are we going to end up on the other side? Are we going to have those that are just, you know, skeptics and doubters? And by the way, let's, uh, let me just, let me look here back in the book of Matthew. I looked this up. We quote it. We refer to it all the time. But I wanted to read it today to you. Matthew 13. Fifty. Well, let's just um, verse fifty-seven, and they verse fifty-seven, uh, chapter thirteen, and they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And then verse fifty-eight, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. We've quoted this verse, referred to this verse several times in the recent weeks. But there it is in print. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. <clears throat> I'm convinced that if we're a people of doubt, we are uh, uh, have our pews filled with skeptics. If we have folks that don't trust God, then we're, he's, he's not going to work out a lot of miracles on our behalf. The pattern is there. He did not many mighty works. He didn't do a lot of special mighty miracle type things because of their unbelief. It's important that we understand that we get what God's doing. So I just, I just want us to be kind of thinking, and this afternoon we're going to be thinking about and kind of looking into some of the 
uh, Old Testament examples of Abram and Isaac and some of the different things that God used in the lives of people. And so let's prepare. Let's get ready. What is the next test you're going to be facing? What is the next challenge you'll be facing? What is the next opportunity to trust God to do what he's designed and wanted to do in your life to conform us, to change us, but to get us to the point where we absolutely don't doubt him. We trust him because of who he is. He's my father. He's our heavenly father because of the blood of the Lord Jesus, because of his death, his burial, his resurrection. And he is, when we believe on him, he becomes our father and we can trust him. We can count on him. He loves us in a way that no human being can love. We can't compare his love to anything that we've ever experienced in life. We, we've never even scratched the surface of the, the love of God, the unconditional love. But it's more, it's so much more than unconditional. It's just God loves us so much. And when you begin to see him orchestrating and working out issues and things in our lives, and he's doing it because he loves us so much. He's wanting us to get to the place where we're satisfied with his presence. Where nothing else will mean anything. But it's him. It's who he is that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. It's knowing him. Being a part of that walk where we just trust him 100% of the time, no matter what. So I'm not saying that it's going to be easy from here on. There's no guarantee you won't have some tears and suffering and pain. And I think if most Christians would wise were wise, they would not try to have an answer and give an answer and try to explain God's doing in every situation. I don't, I don't get all of it, but I don't have to get it. I don't have to understand it. I just have to trust him. I have to trust him like a little child. Remember these words just moments ago? God will take care of you. God will take care of you. Do you believe that? Do you trust him? Are you ready to step out in faith and follow him no matter what? Let's do that, church. Let's do that with him. Let's let him lead. And he will. He promises to do that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God. <clears throat> we thank you for the encouragement that we can experience by just spending time with you. And we pray, Father, that you would encourage our hearts. There are some folks that have been hurting in the days past. I pray you'd comfort them. I pray you'd bring your presence to them, that they would be able to say, I've never sensed the presence of God any more than I do now. So I pray, Father, that you would do a work in our church, that you'd do a work in our families, that you'd just do a great work in our lives as we take each step, one step at a time, with that light that you give us to take that step. 
I pray we'd be really encouraged by your word today that you'd accomplish your will. Save the soul that's nearest hell. I pray for the people that are lost, that they would recognize their lostness, their need for a Savior. And we'll trust you for the days ahead in Jesus' name. Amen.